This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Shall we begin? Kids, get to popcorn now. Let me tell you the story of the space viking, Thor Odinson. He was no ordinary man. He was a god. After saving planet Earth for the 500th time, Thor set off on a new journey. Well, he got in shape. He went from dad bod to god bod. And after all that, he reclaimed his title as the one and only Thor. Oh, spoke too soon. Jane? BFM 89.9, you are listening to Popcorn Culture with Lynn and Sharmila. And sadly, we're missing Arvin, um, you know, on a day that we're talking about the MCU's Who's latest. our greatest MCU exponent? I know, um, but he is unfortunately away. So it's just the two of us. Um, but we are talking about a review or we're talking about a film for which we're reviewing it months late um, because... Thor, Thor, or Thor Love and Thunder, has finally made its way to the small screen um, in the form of Disney+. Plus. You know, okay, so a couple of things. I feel like all of the anticipation and all of the, will we get to see it, won't we? And that has kind of added a weird layer to the watching as well. Mm. And I'm increasingly starting to feel like with the MCU films and Marvel products, the less expectations I have, the less frame of reference I have for something, the more I'm likely to enjoy it. And I can't tell whether this, for me, has suffered a little bit from the waiting. Um, it suffered a little bit from the hype of, ooh, another Taika Waititi Thor outing. Uh, the fact that Ragnarok was amazing. Uh, so this, for me, was kind of like a fun experience. I certainly wanted a bit more from it. Um, I think... I think I'm glad that I didn't watch it in the cinema. My expectations were extremely high after Ragnarok and um, I, I like Taika Waititi's work and so I, I had extremely, probably excessively high expectations. And then having the wait, and I avoided the reviews as much as possible, but you do get a sense of the the rough reception that a movie has received and and that helped to to temper where I was coming in at um, as as a viewer so I enjoyed Thor Love and Thunder I don't have um, some of the huge issues with it that people have had I can see why they feel that way but I didn't Um, I thought that it was a fun light and minor installment and the reason why it's been received in 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 a bad way in some senses is because it involves a major hero so there's that. It's also that. So you called it a minor installment. It's like Ant-Man but Thor. Ah, so that's the interesting thing. The problem is that the, the ingredients that are in this film, though, are not minor ingredients. So maybe that's, for me, what the disconnect was. So you have a villain like Gore, Gore the God Butcher. Um, you have characters like Zeus popping up. You well. Have, <laughs> nah, you have this... Um, this, this pretty huge plotline involving Jane Foster, uh, stuff with a lot of emotionality attached to it. And the movie just kind of trips along, you know? It's interested in just joke after joke after joke. Um, 
which is fine. You laugh along, really. Uh, you know, you laugh along, you enjoy the soundtrack. They've clearly bought the entire Guns N' Roses back catalogue. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just that I think for a movie that feels minor, it seems to want to take on some pretty major things. Okay, so because I was thinking about it maybe through the lens of Jojo Rabbit, that didn't bother me. Because Jojo Rabbit is also a minor film, or it's not a minor film, but it's also a film about a child uh, that is nonetheless quite interested in Hitler and Nazism and (laughs) the ways in which people get indoctrinated into things that are much darker. Um, And so because of that, I feel like that's just a Taika Waititi treatment and it didn't bother me. Oh, this is different. This is one of the few times when you're the more enthusiastic one about about an MCU product. Uh, And having said that, my enthusiasm is still tempered with, (laughs) it's fine. I I enjoyed it a lot. I don't know that I would be rushing to rewatch it. Um, I'm I'm glad, I think that if I'd watched it in the cinema, that I would have enjoyed it, but that I would have come out feeling a little bit hollow. Whereas having waited and watching it in the comfort of my own home, it was like, oh, okay, so this is what it is. Cool. Um, I... I don't know how much we can or should say about the story, except that um, Thor re-encounters Jane, as you heard there, Jane Foster, his former girlfriend, um, who has now somehow become endowed with powers to turn her into the mighty Thor. Um, with, don't say Lady Thor. Don't say Lady Thor. The mighty Thor wielding Mjolnir. Uh, all of that's in the trailer. And in the meantime, there is an existential threat in the form of Gore the God Butcher, played by Christian Bale, who has a vendetta against gods and has therefore threatened Asgard and Thor in a very specific way. The things I enjoyed about the film, um, I loved seeing Thor, Korg, Valkyrie all back together again. The chemistry between them is really great. It's just... So it. we spoke about The Mummy yesterday and I talked about how it was so much fun to watch a blockbuster that doesn't take itself too seriously. And that was exactly what Ragnarok was, right? It, it brought to the Thor franchise uh, a levity and a sense that actually... Uh, the superhero that is Thor is kind of ridiculous, so let's just have fun with it. Um, and that energy is certainly in this film. And I really enjoyed it. I think I think where it started feeling a bit samey is that nothing felt fresh. It was almost like you're watching a familiar sitcom where you mm. know what the beats are. There's an enjoyment in it, but you're not surprised by anything. So... Um- I agree entirely, but I liked it for that exact reason. Huh. Yeah. Okay. I, I think that I, I like the idea that maybe we can just enjoy comic books like comic books, guys. Maybe comic book films can be enjoyed like expensive comic books, except they were expensive to make and not that expensive for us to access because it's kind of, um, it, it has that Saturday afternoon quality to it that I think is often missing from the are you good or bad? Stand on one side. We do this together kind of feeling that. And and that has its own benefits, right? You get that huge emotional rush. You get pulled into it. It's always about whether the world, but Washington first, will get destroyed. And you're like, yeah, um, New York, pardon me. But Washington only in the lesser films or if the president is there. Yeah, but in this case, like, where are we? We're in New Asgard. So I love that, though. Actually, the one thing I truly love is that nobody cares about Earth. Everything is... <laughs> Is just like new Asgard, some random planet, um, eternity, eternity, and all of it is just kind of bonkers and crazy. You're right, very comic book. Um, the comic book vibe of the film is very enjoyable. So, 
here's a very clear reason why I enjoyed it more than I have enjoyed others. It's because it doesn't need to connect to anything. Y'all, we yes. are free in some ways of the tyranny of the MCU. You no longer have to be like, no, no, hold on. But that person, ha do they have the powers now that they're going to have? Where in the timeline are we? Have they lost their mom? Like, we don't have to worry about any of that. It's a small, self-contained story. And it feels to me, it's crystallizing now in conversation, actually. Um, it hadn't fully formed. But now that I'm here, yeah, what I like about it is that it's a comic book film before comic book films began became what they are now, this these very serious behemoths that we have to discuss like Shakespeare. Which would explain why so many people who are sort of hardcore Marvel fans didn't warm up to this, I think. Which I understand also. Yeah, because yeah. they don't see why where this fits within we we haven't actually gotten, to be fair, a solid storyline post endgame right and that's because we're in this phase now where everything's kind of up in the air no one's quite sure what's going to happen next and I think actually it's an interesting time for them to play around we're getting all the TV shows as well and Thor Love and Thunder for better or worse actually manages to free itself from those expectations which I think will vary depending on whether that's what you want or whether you want more of the larger MCU plot which I don't I really don't need any more of it. I'm fine. So um, because of that, I because of that, Thor, Love and Thunder's fineness and funness was enough for me. But yeah, I mean, this is one of the few times where we're reviewing something and I suspect that a lot of people have seen it already because the release was so delayed. So let us know. Did you watch Thor, Love and Thunder? Um, did you enjoy it after the wait? How do you... What do you think? Uh, you can WhatsApp us 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio. Break from monotony. BFM 89.9. The only ones who gods care about is themselves. So this is my vow. All gods will die. I just want to say that was very, very impressive what you did back there. It's just my first bad guy. You never forget your first. BFM 89.9, you're listening to Popcorn Culture with Lynn and Sharmila. Uh, missing our comrade in action, Arvin, uh, which I bring up specifically because today we're reviewing after a long wait, Thor, Love and Thunder. And um, we have laid out quite clearly how we feel, I think. We both liked it albeit with reservations, one of us with larger reservations than the other. Although I agree, again, I'm not here to... Two sides of the coin. Yes, because I'm definitely not here to say that the movie is flawless or that the flaws will not be received in worse ways by some people because I totally get it. Um, but I wanted to focus a little bit on, uh, I guess, the performances. I wanted to start this side of things with Christian Bale because... Even before watching the film, I was hearing a lot of buzz about Christian Bale's performance in the in this movie. He's so good. Oh, he was great. Um, we start the movie with him, actually, mm. and, and that kind of sets the tone. Christian Bale's always good. I mean, I don't know whether there's a film that he's not put 250% into a performance. And this is one of those. Again, I think that might be part of where my larger reservations lie. I feel like his performance was so good and so intense and grounded in, I think, very real painful things. 
I kind of wish the movie did more with him. It almost felt like at points, his the threat he presents wasn't really a threat at all. Yeah, but that's part of what I liked. <laughs> Um, I I enjoyed the fact that it was a more emotional threat than an existential one in some ways and that um, his performance and his character's story arc, the way in which gore is used um, in in various points in the story, whether he's facing off directly with uh, Thor and the Asgardians, whether he is terrorising some children, whether he's terrorising a town, um, or whether he's just sad and, and dealing with that, to me, exemplifies the way in which this movie has tremendous tonal shifts because he goes from being deeply frightening, like really frightening. Someone wielding a necro sword is is not someone to be trifled with. Um, in the next scene, he's just going to be a straight up a straight up horror movie jump scare villain which I loved in other instances he's like a fairy tale villain with the sharp teeth and the shadows. Um, and then other times he's kind of funny. And if you can get with that, then I think you can get with the film because the film also has those kinds of tonal shifts. I liked it because it kept my attention. Um, for others, I can imagine that this would be the exact thing that the MCU has always been dinged for, this focus more on humour than on letting a storytelling beat land. I will say this, I will give the movie this, I was never bored. I was never bored at any point in if the If you film. were, the goats would start screaming. Well, <laughs> they are screaming goats. I mean, what more? It's, in a way, it's almost like Taika Waititi threw in every joke that he could possibly think of. Which I have a problem with. So I, I do think that um, the lack of self-control with a simultaneous nudge-nudge-wink-wink self-awareness... About almost everything. Yes, mm-hmm. did start to grate on me. Now, where where I think it worked was that in the emotional climax of the film, and there is one, it still landed. And so that for me was a test. I I was going in just without letting, um, trying not to use critic brain, I suppose, and thinking about how is this working? How is this working? Is it working for me? And instead just letting it go along and move along. And therefore noting that even as I was like, yes, yes, you know, you're funny. (laughs) All right, I know you're funny, you know you're funny, it's funny. Um, When it came time to really land the emotional core of the film, I thought it still did. Speaking of performances, right, we give RDJ a lot of credit for Iron Man. Chris Evans gets a lot of credit for Captain America. I feel like Chris Hemsworth doesn't get enough shine for how much he contributes to Thor being Thor. Because Thor is a lunkhead in the comics. Um, Thor's the worst. He's he's insufferable. And the thing is, actually, the Thor of the films is all those things. He's a lunkhead, is insufferable. Uh, he takes himself a little too seriously. But in Chris Hemsworth's hands, he's also deeply likable. Um, there are some scenes where he's so at ease with this character. You feel like this is your, your favourite slightly dumb but lovable friend uh, that you want around all the time. And then the action scenes are just wonderful. I mean, by now we've all seen the scenes of him sort of leaping and there's a freeze frame and then he's holding up either Mjolnir or Stormbreaker. But it gets me every time. Um, I I liked the bits of the movie that had physical or visual gags. I enjoyed that a lot. I, I think that Taika Waititi does them really well and that when you have a comedic performer as as adept and as deeply embodied in some ways as Chris Hemsworth. You know, Chris Hemsworth 
plus an X somehow is very funny. Like, um, I, I really enjoy the scenes in which it's just him kind of mediating his weapons or, or having to, to deal with, um, you know, jealousy, things like that. Like, I really, really liked it. Natalie Portman um, is, I think, an interesting addition because her character has kind of been the wonder in some ways of Thor. Not the most interesting, yes. kind of self-serious and, you know, just there. And yet in this film, she's hugely important. And I think her performance is good. I don't think it is equally effective in all parts. Okay, so in the past, my enjoyment of the Thor movies have always been directly proportionate to how little of Natalie Portman was in them. So... I deeply dislike Dark World and she's in that the most. Yeah. So I was really worried that I would dislike this one. Um, they've worked on the character. She's a lot more likable. I just don't think Natalie Portman is funny. So yeah. she doesn't get the kind of comedic beats that everyone around her does, like Tessa Thompson or um, Korg, Taika. Um, they are so natural with the comedy. She feels like she's an actor trying to do comedy. And so for me, that was the problem. Yeah, I agree. Again, once more, I agree. Um, but I think that without her, the the romance and sitting with feelings and dealing with the past stuff would not have been as effective. Because whether you like her or not, and this is just one of those things that happens in long-running film series, right? Like, even if you don't like an actor, if you have to watch them for six movies, seven movies, whatever. With a uh, yeah, I was thinking of the Harry Potter kids, actually. Um, not all of them, but some. You you get used to them and you get emotionally attached to the characters regardless. And I was satisfied with the way in which this film built on the arc that we'd already had between Thor and Jane. And she was good at the scenes that had more emotional heft. Yeah. And I think that was important because it's a core part of what makes this movie effective. It's a core part also of what, I, what feels like a shifting... For Thor. Um, I don't know what they're going to do with him in, in future films, but it does feel like it shapes what we'll see him do next. And I think it was important to have an act actor who could do that as well as Natalie Portman can. So in conclusion, because with MCU films, we always have to look forward as much as we look back. Um, I think... I go back and forth on this um, because my question is not so much what do you want to see with Thor? My question is more do you want to see Taika Waititi continue to do Thor? Because I think we peaked with Ragnarok. I enjoyed Love and Thunder, but I, like I said, I think it's a minor installation best understood as a standalone comic that you can read on its own. Um, not necessarily, I don't know, you've had Branna, uh, now you've had Waititi. I don't know where you go. So given that I think I enjoyed something like Our Flag Means Death, a lot more than Thor Love and Thunder, um, which is not to say I didn't enjoy it. But if I were to compare, I would pick Flag. I'd say no. I'd say I think we've reached the end of how much he can bring to the Thor storyline. I would also like to say I don't think I want to see more of him with the Guardians either. Mm. Yeah. I, I feel like that's kind of run its course as well. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Um, so yeah, we've been talking about Thor, Love and Thunder. I think we've got a little bit of time to address the controversy um, because I didn't want to go the whole way through and finish our episode without talking about the reasons why uh, the film did not actually make it to our screens. And I'll, I'll just say once more, 
it's such a storm in a teacup. Like when you actually watch it, it really is a, is that it? So I'm not sure what it is though, right? Because they never said it. No, but there are a few things that you can kind of yes. infer. Yeah. So two things that I I suspect was the reason. One might be, of course, the gender mm. sexuality aspect, but the other is more existential, philosophical, religious. Yes. Uh, and depending on which the issue is, one may be perhaps bigger than the other, but both, I agree, was no reason to for it to turn out to be like this. No, especially when it takes place more so than any any of the other recent films we've been talking about in a world that is really rather fantastical and has very little relation to ours. Yes, because yeah. none of this feels in the least bit like it's a commentary on real life. That's what I mean. So there is that. Um, but let us know what you think um, and what you make of Thor Love and Thunder. Did you enjoy it? Uh, you can WhatsApp 018-789-8899, tweet us at BFM Radio and write to us, of course, at movies at bfm.my. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.